Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one personal page of Talmud each day. And today, as we hurtle towards the end of Bavakama, I know, hard to believe, but it's about to end. We take a brief pause from the duff. Why? Well, to celebrate the people who make our learning possible. If you're like me, and like so, so many others all over the world, you're probably reading the Talmud in English in the Steinsaltz translation. The late, great Rabbi Adin Steinsaltz was a a once-in-a-generation, once-in-a-century ilui, or real genius, whose great life's work was making the Talmud accessible to all of us. He passed away in 2020, but we are very fortunate that his son, Rabbi Meni Evan Israel stepped into his very big shoes, running the Steinsel Center and continuing to do anything and everything to make sure we continue and read and learn from our beloved treasure trove of Jewish wisdom. I had the great pleasure and privilege of sitting down with Rabbi Evan Israel on his recent visit to New York and talk to him about his father and about the Talmud and about whether or not a work that spreads over 2,711 pages and 63 different tractates stands any chance of remaining popular in the age of TikTok. We'll run the complete conversation soon on Unorthodox, our sister podcast. But meanwhile, with deep gratitude for giving me and all of us the pleasure of diving deep into our beloved Talmud, here is my conversation with Rabbi Meni Evan Israel. Since this is very much a family story, first of all, I heard a, a great story about your great late father. I had the, the, the privilege of, of, of meeting on several occasions that when someone told his father that that he was, you know, truly an Ilui, a sort of once in a once in a generation mind. His father said something like, "Why did it have to happen in my family?" Absolutely. And uh, growing up with a genius at home, and I was only a child, was not the father. It's a nightmare. <laughs> they, you know, they, they have a different perspective of life. They, they first of all, they remember everything, which is not all genius. No, for a kid is horrible. It's horrible because you can't lie. You can't, you know, you can't do Can all I remember you promised me a pony last year? Yeah, week. exactly. No. No, it was never a promise made, never. Um, it's funny because I did, <laughs> one of the years I stole the Afikoman, you know, I stole, I took the Afikoman, mm-hmm. better language. Um, liberated. Liberated the Afikoman from the clutches of my father. And the goal was to get a set of Lego. It was mm-hmm. a very big popular Lego of Knights. Mm-hmm. It was a new series logo started. And I... I remember that very well. And, and in my mind, the promise was constitute every single Lego part of this series. You know, they're like eight or nine different... My final perspective was a bit different than that. So we had an argument about this for many, for a couple of years, then I gave up. Obviously. By the way, what a nightmare, because it's such a Talmudic argument. Right. And now you're arguing about Talmudic thought with Ravadin Steinsatz. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. When no, I no, said no, set, no, set only no, refers no, to, to the... <laughs> exactly. And anything else. That, yeah. Um, and, and, and this has seen also many other great people. The commitment is for the world or, or the Jewish world. But in his case, it was really the world as a whole. And as a family, we came second. Right. And um, it took me years to get over it. 
is love to say to my psychologist, uh, build a third house in Monaco. Right. The big sign there, dedicated by many. Correct. You know, clearly. Um, yeah, but so it was not, it was not, it was not a, I don't think it was a hard father or harsh. It was just not there. <laughs> we saw him Friday. And at what point did you understand that it now falls on to you <laughs> to continue this monumental work that you did not choose? I mean, eventually you chose, but it was sort of foisted on you. Yeah, it was quite... Yeah, there was no other option. My father came to our house in, for all sake of purposes, Christmas night, 2003. It, it was very entertaining because, like, you know, Santa Claus, you know, mm. old beard. Yeah? That's right. Uh, so he come in and he's like, he never said any line like this before. I was a healer rabbi at the time in Maryland, University of Maryland. And he's like, I want you to come work for the family. I was like, okay, when? Tomorrow. I said, no, I can't do it tomorrow. I mean, yeah. Took me about a year. You're like tomorrow's Christmas Day. You guys, you father, can't we work, have plans. Yeah. We have Chinese and, then, and a movie. Come on, right? Exactly. And then it's <laughs> Boxing Day. No, you can't. You don't have all the time. It took me about a year and a half to get back to Israel. He was really insisted that I would have to come. But in the beginning, when I was there, it, it took me time to realize what he wants and realize how much potential is there and how much need is there. You may think that by now, in even 2003. We've said everything that needs to be said. There are translations. There's the internet. There are all these resources. Absolutely. So what need did he identify and you then came to see still very much exists? So I think there's two major needs. One is to make it accessible. Yes, there are commentaries, but if you don't write them in the right language and use different language, use more spiritual, unattainable, you need to write it for the people in their language. So, for example, if you read his text... The English always is superb. The Hebrew is very good. It's written for people who can actually read. It's not meant some kind of abstract, unattainable. It's not a PhD material. It's really human-based material. That's one. The other need is, was to bring it to the people. It's very nice that I publish a book. You know, the, rules, the rule when you publish a book is very, very simple. You can get somebody to support the book. When you explain them that now you have to do marketing, you actually have to sell the book, that's the issue. So people can have the access. You can have, as you said, I mean, if you learn Daf Yomi, there are what, 300, 500, 5,000, who knows how many classes given by anybody. And people still don't, don't want to touch it. They're still too scary. The association with text is automatically religion. You know, given my look, and of course my father look did not help the fact that we are, I have a beard, I was getting wider, is the minutes moving on. But really we are open-minded people. I've been in most museums in New York, I mean the big museums, I know there's thousands of museums, but the big museums. There's most zoos in the world, that's where my father educated me. My mother is not less of an open-minded person. We sp- I spend my childhood watching Les Miserables, in French, in every version of it, I saw it. I saw it. I know it. I, that's what education we got. So for me, I want to share the other part of my life, which is Jewish text, which is Jewish information, with everybody. And some of the stuff there is very, very cool. Since last few months, I, I, I was questioning the idea of what make a book holy, or what what make the book a book important book, right? And I think the answer I came up with a book that I can retranslate or reapply to my generation, make it holy. Therefore, in a sense, Shakespeare is holy because English lit for the last 200 years, you're learning Shakespeare. Now, 
can anybody debate that the story of Romeo and Juliet is not important to today? I mean, really good, amazing, romantic stories, amazing. And I think that's the need. The need is people need to go, and, and I want to give them this, this treasure in their hands. Baruch Hashem. Rabbeinu, thank you so much for being our guest. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope that you do, then you are really going to love the new book just published by me. It's called How the Talmud Can Change Your Life, Surprisingly Modern Advice from a Very Old Book. You can order it now at your local bookstore or directly from the publisher through the link in this here podcast description or through that big online store whose logo is, you know, a smile. As always, please go rate and review Take One on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. You could get your Take One t-shirts and mugs and other swag at tabletstudios.com and you could subscribe to our weekly newsletter at tabletm.ag slash newsletter. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay, Quinn Waller, and Ellie Blyer. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Robert Scaramucci, Courtney Hazlett, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic. Talmudic.